Welcome to the cast that was promised, a podcast dedicated to a song of ice and fire. I'm Michael, Hand of the King. I'm Dylan of, oh god, here we go, uh, of the Pumpkin Scar. Oh wait, oh, there oh. it is, <laughs> and I'm Joe the Andal. Uh, today we're uh, going to be talking about our favorite characters, or not favorite characters in a Game of Thrones series, just looking at some characters, uh, getting a closer look on them. Uh, what they've done throughout the series, what sort of their point is, what they're trying to do. Um, But first, before we get into any Game of Thrones talk, we're going to be doing our weekly pop culture news. So we've just got a bunch of different topics we're going to be talking about real quick. We're going to try to keep the segment um, pretty small, but it's just something a little fun to get us into uh, something before we go into the actual episode. Yeah. It's cozy. It's getting uh, getting cold out. It's fall now, late fall. So we've got a little, little news section to warm us up. Um, this is purely me forcing this, by the way. Like, I, I don't know if you guys want to do news before, so... No, I like doing news before. It's kind of fun, so... So the biggest thing... Oh, yeah, thing... It's, it's it's the off-season for Game of Thrones, so... Yep. Yeah. So the biggest thing, like, happening tonight in terms of, like, TV... Well, the two two big things. Um, one, I think we're all looking forward to more is Westworld mm-hmm. on HBO. Yep. Um, which has been great. Me, me and Mike and I have seen two, and Joey has seen, like, you're, you're up to date, right? You've seen everything that's out right now? Yep, yep, I've seen all three. And he also has his own podcast. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, Joe, what's the podcast? Oh, um, it's actually not my podcast. It's uh, hosted by uh, Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers, but it's called it's called the Sweetwater Saloon, so uh, look that up if you're into Westworld. It's, it's a really good show. I'm probably going to be appearing on one episode coming up soon so look out for that all right cool so that's kind of the biggest thing um we're, we're not going to give you a rundown if you want you can go check out their podcast but that's happening and that's that's important that's an important show right now mm-hmm. and then also we've got that i don't know if any of us are as excited for is the walking dead season seven premiere tonight it's already seven seasons yeah seven seasons yeah it's crazy. <laughs> that is ridiculous i remember watching the second season with joe um he got me into it uh, it was around the whole Shane crazy arc when Rick kills him. Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, I've got to watch this show. Yeah. Loved the first and second season. The third season was kind of interesting, but I lost, um, I've lost interest. I didn't watch the last season, but if you guys out there who are listening like it a lot, that's on tonight. So get excited for that. Um, yeah. I'm just, like we were talking about before the podcast is just basically to see who Negan or whatever kills. Yeah. That's kind of like our the big reveal. I don't know. I, we're probably not going to watch it. I'm, no. not, I'm probably not yeah. anyway. Um, oh, I'll be watching it. All right. So Joey will right, let us well, know. Yeah. Joe's a Walking Dead tryhard, anyways. Um, That's right. And then I, the I, the other biggest thing that happened this week definitely was the Nintendo Switch announcement. Yeah. That was so huge. excited for that. Oh my God! Yeah. This thing looks crazy. Like if it works, how they're advertising how it works, yeah. it will be awesome. Yeah. It's gonna sell like millions. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what we were millions ta- and millions. We were talking the same thing. The only I the only like worries I have is that like it, the online has to work really well, and that I want them to design the um the UI to look really nice because they haven't like said. Obviously, they haven't shown any, like, the software besides just a few games. Like, mm-hmm. Skyrim and stuff was really cool on there, so... Yeah, uh, that's big. They're already having a little controversy, though, unfortunately, because, uh, I guess Bethesda was, like, we haven't confirmed that Skyrim's <laughs> on the Switch, but they were showing Switch yeah, gameplay, yeah. so that's a little bit of a Nintendo f- mess-up, but whatever. Still excited for the yeah. Switch. It's gonna be awesome, I think. I hope. I get Nintendo systems regardless of what people think about them anyways, because I just like playing Mario Kart and Smash yeah, and I, all that stuff. 
I never got the Wii U, but I did play, like, I was always playing Smash with, like, other people who had it on there. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd go over their house and stuff, so. And then, what do we got after the Switch? Alright, well, this, we'll head through these other stuff really quick, because this is just, like, little announcements. Uh, the Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, yep. Uh, Excited for that. Came out. Yep. The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 teaser came out, which looks, it was just a little nice little yeah. thing. It looks like it's going to be good. Do you watch that, Joe? Oh, yeah, I am so excited. I think Guardians of the Galaxy was probably my favorite movie of uh, 2014, I think it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it was honestly my favorite movie of that whole year. It was, it was. Uh, I had Star Wars on the mind because we knew The Force Awakens was coming out uh, in 2015. So that was a really good, uh, you know, kind of placeholder before in, beforehand, you know? Like, yeah. that really kind of felt like a Star Wars movie in a way. No, yeah, they did it. A- they did a really awesome job with it. I loved uh, how they, like, infused the soundtrack with, like, throughout the story and everything like that. That was kind of fun. Uh, definitely, like, Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm not a big Marvel guy, but I definitely really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm excited for the second one. And speaking of Star Wars stuff, obviously we've got Rogue One coming yeah, out very soon. There was a few more Rogue One trailers. Yeah, the newest recently. Rogue One trailer came out. I think that's a big deal. Darth Vader. Yeah. Guys. That was very exciting. Uh, it was nice to just see him come out I, full I'm, power. I'm more excited for this movie than I was for Force Awakens as some because like I like mm-hmm. Star Wars, but I'm not. I wasn't obviously like as into the seventh. One. Like, I got like the seventh one, but I'm yeah. way more excited for this than I was. I'm, for that. I'm interested to see what they do with this, this one. That's why I'm so excited because there's so many different things that they can do, yeah. and it looks like it can be really awesome. Okay. Uh, there was a nice little parody that they did of the trailer with uh, Kylo Ren. If you guys are YouTubers out there, you like YouTube. Check out Allronauts. They did an awesome Kylo Ren watches the for- uh, watches Rogue One trailer, and it was the funniest thing I've watched in a long time. It was yeah, just it was really fun. good if you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, so that was fun, too. It, that's a little tack on there. But. And then we'll, we'll run down the last few here. Um, there is a John Wick Chapter 2 trailer, oh, yep. which looks nice. I love John Wick. I'm a big John Wick guy, so I was excited. Did, um, did you see John Wick, Joe? I saw a part of it i really need to finish it though i i i sat down it was on tv i i didn't see the beginning so Mm -hmm. i didn't want to you know watch it all the way to the end i want to kind of experience it all in one sitting so i still need to do that before chapter two comes out it's just a fun action movie i think a lot of people like really enjoyed it so and he was uh really good in it um uh the face who keanu reeves yeah Yeah, yeah so and then is that it on the list? Or uh, yeah, there was like two. Yeah, all right. So these are like the two like really like kind of indie ones. There was this Operator movie that came out, which was like really like really indie. So we want to talk about that. But that came out. If you're interested in those type of movies, look that up. And then the Army of One uh, movie with Nicolas uh, Cage. Yep. Uh, directed by the guy who did Borat, which looks really yeah, funny. Yeah, it looks really funny. Did you watch that show, Joe? No, I don't think so. It's just yeah. a wacky like Nicolas Cage thing where he's trying to kill Osama bin Laden. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It's just really weird. It great. So it should it, it should be funny though, because it's like Nicolas Cage, like how everybody wants him to be in a yeah, movie. because yeah. it's like him actually being wacky, but written to be wacky. So yeah, he like runs around uh, mi- the Middle East with like a katana. It's really <laughs> yeah, weird. it's, it's like, just what like the trailer looks like. He's just a weird guy. I, so- I sort of feel like Nicolas Cage is like the Nickelback of movie actors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Right, it's Joe. probably true. Yeah. And it works, you know, the names, obviously. And then I, the, the other big, the other huge show that I'm super excited for was the uh, the Logan trailer came out. That's, oh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. That was so good. I'm a, I'm a huge X-Men man. I know I said I don't like Marvel, but X-Men's, like, my exception. <laughs> I read all the X-Men comics, absolutely love it. 
uh, Wolverine, fantastic, and I'm super excited to see what they do with this because it just seems like yeah. it's sort of a departure from the other ones, and it will be kind of like the yeah. last thing. So, do you guys think that they're having this rated R because of the success of Deadpool? Like, do you yeah. think if Deadpool oh, yeah. hadn't come out, they would have stuck uh, stuck to PG thirteen? Yeah, probably. I think so. Yeah. The entire, like, tone of this trailer was, like, this really awesome, like, gritty uh, feeling. Any, anything from, like, the this, yeah. like, this, uh, this uh, Johnny Cash song in the background mm-hmm. to, like, just the visuals where everything was really dusty. Exactly, yeah. Uh, he had, like, he, uh, obviously, uh, Hugh Jackman looks like he's all bearded. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not, like, a huge comic book guy besides, like, I read, like, Watchmen and yep. stuff, and I've read some of the Walking Dead things. Um, but I, like, looked up, I did a little research on, like, Old Man Wolverine and stuff, and, like, mm-hmm. this movie seems like it's going to be really awesome, so. Oh, and speaking of Marvel movie stuff with Deadpool 2, unfortunately, the director and Ryan Reynolds had a fight, so the director yeah, you quit. Yeah, about that. Um, that. So that's big Marvel news. So if you liked Deadpool, which pretty much everybody did, um, you're going to be probably pretty disappointed with the second one because the director yeah. quit. Unless they get someone really good to, like, keep it up or something i mean i don't know if it was just the director that made that no obviously not but they play a big part yeah yeah i think ryan reynolds gets what it's supposed to be so like if he wants something to happen for it yeah i guess i trust him i don't know it doesn't whatever happens i'll be like okay like this is (laughs) i don't really care that much i I think i just hope it's as good as the first one so so we spent a good good amount of time that's enough news for now i guess so yep that's enough weekly news i'm still wait i'm still waiting for you to have the news story about the release date for Winds of Winter, so. <laughs> I think. We'll keep a lookout for I th- that. I think all of us are still waiting on that. But, uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones news, though, this is a few weeks old, but uh, the special editions of uh, A Game of Thrones came out. It's an illustrated edition. It has a lot of nice pictures in it, uh, fully done by. I forget the artist's name, but it's really nice, uh, really awesomely done. I was excited to pick up a copy, so I'm definitely going to be doing that. Even though I have my leather-bound ones, um, I still want to get the illustrated one because just the art's all, uh, really awesome in it. So that's some Game of Thrones news. And also, this is kind of a spoiler thing, so you can go look it up on your own out there for people. But season a scene from Season 7 was caught being filmed, and oh, the yes. entirety of the scene was filmed. So you can go and look at that and guess what's going on. But there was a lot of unexpected characters and interactions going on in that scene. I won't give any more than that. You should find it immediately when you look up Season 7 leaked scene. Um, I was very excited to watch it, and I'm just super intrigued, and it gets me even more excited for Season 7. And that's all I'll say about that. But, Joe, did you hear about that? Did you see that? No, I'm, I'm probably going to watch that right when we finish this episode, <laughs> yeah, honestly. Like... Look, look it up after. It was super cool, super awesome. Um, I'm just, yeah, really excited. So, yep. So that's that for news, and we'll just get right into the actual podcast now, the uh, the episode stuff that we're going to do. Yeah, hopefully, like, we'll put a little thing in there if you just don't want to listen to that at all. Just like, oh, skip to, like, ten minutes in, pretty much, and then you'll be past all the news. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, okay, we're getting over to it. Mike, you're going to start us off, right? Yep, so I've got the first character this week, and uh, I think I told you guys last episode that I was going to be talking about Daenerys. Uh, and obviously, for the listeners, you don't really know how I feel about Daenerys very much other than what I've like said offhandedly but uh Daenerys is probably my least favorite character in the entire A Song of Ice and Fire series um I think she's an enemy of the Republic uh <laughs> but uh no I she's she's a good character but I just uh I don't like her uh and I think 
And the whole point of my talking about her today is going to be to see whether George R. R. Martin intended to write her that way or if she is actually just a really bad character. Yeah. So I'm going to break it up by each season and book and just go through the list. And you guys can obviously comment whenever you want to and stuff like that. Uh, so season one, we start off with, in the very beginning, she was clearly a repre- uh, a repressed character. She was bland. She was lacking in any defining traits other than her last name, which gave her power. She didn't really, really have any power on her own. Uh, she seemed normal, but like... Clearly, her brother had control. Uh, she was kind of put down, stuff like that. Didn't get really to say much. Uh, but things started to change by probably second or third episode in that season, or earlier on in the book. Because once she became Khaleesi, she begins to exhibit signs of craving power. She demands her husband to put her on the Iron Throne, and uh, looks beyond what she has within her reach. So, obviously... It was Viserys' whole goal to retake the Seven Kingdoms because he was the eldest and he was the boy, so he would be the one to be crowned. But once Daenerys uh, marries Khal Drogo, she very much uh, is behind her brother, sort of going back to Westeros, and it's clearly not because she likes Viserys, but more because uh, she just wants to go home. And I put that in air quotes because obviously you can't call Westeros her home because she was never there in her entire life. Uh, she wasn't even born in Westeros. She was born on a throne, dude. It's her rightful heir. She's the rightful heir to the throne. What are you talking about? Uh, under succession laws, if we look back at European history, uh, Robert Baratheon's children are the correct heirs. So yeah. Also, it's you you said she was like bland. I guess bland is kind of a harsh word to describe. She just doesn't. She's just kind of like put down in the beginning. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. She's like she doesn't say much. So like, she didn't have much character in the beginning because she was like a repressed character. Like I said, you know. I'm I mean, okay with repressed. Yeah, that's fine. Because yeah. she's kind of like bland because she's just like an average like yeah. I guess girl she like doesn't just do like much. doesn't yeah, do yeah. anything. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, but she changes when she becomes Khaleesi. Uh, she sees a, she sees the power of the world in what she can, sort of have, through being a Khaleesi. She sort of, she uh, begins to learn Dothraki and everything like that. She starts to exert her power over her different people. Because she doesn't see herself anymore as Viserys' sister, but as Daenerys herself. Yeah, and you get that. So, um, part of it is like that awesome, the awesome, the uh, the sex thing with Count, uh, with Mr. Drogo or whatever. <laughs> Call Drogo, yeah. Call Drogo, yeah. Oh yeah, she, where that's she. Like, that's actually part of it. Like that's her, like yeah. uh, getting used to how much power she has. That's her people. asserting power. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, she has her beginnings of change, and then. She challenges her brother's authority um, as head of the house constantly throughout the first season. She just uh, ignores uh, a lot of what he says and begins to write him off as an idiot as the as the first season or the first book goes on. To be fair, with, he kind of is. With the, Which he was. With yeah. the backing of Jorah and other people around him. Uh, yeah, Viserys gets a, a bad name a lot of the time. He's crapped on a lot. Which is totally understandable. He wasn't a very nice guy. Um, Isn't that smart I either? I don't know if he was dumb, though. Because uh, I, don't know. I think he was foolish, a bit reckless. You see how he treats like but... the warrior people of the Dothraki. <laughs> it's like, what's wrong with you? Like You're asking to get killed. Yeah, he wasn't very bright about a lot of what yeah. he did. But all of his 
the way he became is pretty clear uh, why it happened, I think. And I think a lot of people ignore that. The fact that uh, he was kind of went from being the prince of the Seven Kingdoms to being an exiled yeah. peasant boy on the streets, pretty much. He's a little and, salty. And running for his life and having to take care of his younger sister and make sure that they were like well-fed and protected and everything like that. And it's kind of hard because nobody really wanted them and because uh, they had no power. So You're trying to make me feel sympathy for this guy? So he kind of had to deal with his whole <laughs> life the idea that power had to be his. Um, there was He couldn't really question himself. He couldn't really be kind and stuff like that because nobody had ever been really nice to them or anything like that. And he had his family had been dethroned. So he sort of takes, I think, a very different approach on life, especially from Daenerys who he was always taking care of. She sort of forgot a lot of what happened when they were younger, and she didn't really understand it, but Viserys knew very well what was going on did, and what the stakes were, so... Did they go into that in the books, like, more about, like, what yeah. happened before? Okay. Uh, and she has a lot of dreams about it, and um, they talk about it more, um, so it's very interesting. And you can read about it in World of Ice and Fire. They talk a little bit about it, too, briefly, um, at the end of the Targaryen reign section, so that's there. But enough about Viserys, since we're talking about Daenerys. So, uh... He plays a part. But she begins, I believe, in season one, to show signs of madness already. Uh, when she allows Viserys to be brutally executed uh, by her <laughs> husband. But I wrote in my notes, by her rapist. <laughs> because nice. in, in the show, obviously, very differently in the books, uh, Khal Drogo rapes her multiple times before she actually comes to care for him. It's uh, a very sick and disgusting idea that she would fall in love with her rapist. It's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, it doesn't really make sense in the show why she ended up liking Khal Drogo, other than that, like, and this plays into my idea of what her character might be gearing towards in the show, is that, like, she ju it just gave her power, that she went from being powerless to taking advantage of her husband and the power that he w wielded and then using that for herself. Uh, so I think that sort of it shows a lot it tells a lot about her character and how she reacted to her brother's death and how she let it happen and how she seemingly didn't care and i talked about before how the series is factually known to have taken care of them when they were younger to try to protect them as best he could and everything like that regardless of how bad of a person he seemed to be on the surface he clearly cared for his family um and he tried to take care of Daenerys the best he could she clearly did not reciprocate any feelings of remorse or such as when that happened because like a lot of the people who I'm assuming watched the show or read the books were just done with him, which is what it seemed they, to be with her. They but, make him out to be like, you don't yeah. get like any of the backstory really. And then he says things like, oh, I'd let a, a 10,000 men have you <laughs> yeah. like, if I got what I want. And then you're like, all right, that's it. Like, you yeah, just... you feel you don't feel a lot of remorse for him when that happens. Uh I definitely wouldn't expect a lot of people to, but like I said, Daenerys' reaction is what is most important to me because regardless of what most people think about their other siblings, some of the stuff that they've done, they generally don't want molten gold dumped on their heads and to watch them scream as they die, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just a normal guy, which plays into my idea that Daenerys is a complete psychopath because she... She didn't care that Viserys was dead because she had realized that she didn't need him to have power, uh, that she could have her own power, and 
which isn't even true, and that's proven by the end of season one because obviously Khal Drogo falls ill, he gets sick, uh, and he then eventually dies, but she relies on him solely for her power in the first season. Uh, we can see it with all of the different uh, warriors who follow Khal Drogo. They ignore her orders once Khal Drogo starts to begin to die. Uh, because they're just like, oh, you're just a Khaleesi, you have no real power. Which is true, regardless of what Daenerys thinks, she had no real power. Uh, but she believed that her name and her title were enough to get her places, which they were not. And she sort of pays the price for that. So she's like foolishly naive. Uh, allows the witch, Mary Mazduri, I believe is what her name is. Uh, I don't remember if you know. Yeah, Dylan Dylan has no idea. But <laughs> he looks over at me like I have an answer. Huh? I'm, I'm just looking around. but um, <laughs> That sounds right. I yeah, have no idea. I know got, it was something crazy like that. Yeah. she uh, Daenerys allows the witch into her inner circle uh, because it makes her feel good. It makes her feel empowered. Like she did something good. Like she used her power for good when she saved her from being raped. Uh, but Mary Mazduri says later on, in the end of book one or season one that it didn't matter that Daenerys did that because she had been raped before Daenerys even came there and that nothing that she did mattered because Daenerys was kind of naive in the fact that she thought that she could actually make a change like that um and that Daenerys uh totally ignored the fact that the Dothraki destroyed that woman's life and killed all the people that she knew in her village but Daenerys expected her to be grateful that she spared her life and uh so Daenerys just doesn't have a grounded conception of what reality is clearly uh and i think i've evidenced that quite a bit with her brother how they grew up how she like had a lack of like a total lack of responsibility about anything um and then how her whole marriage power play sort of played out so once caldro goes dead though um it reveals that she holds no real power and as a last resort to try to either end her life or prove that she has power she turns to the dragon eggs and puts them in the fire with herself and that sort of to her is her turning point of power where she finally gets her own power i would say uh in the dragon's hatch yeah i'd say she kind of realizes what she is or what she's capable of more so uh so that i think is a turning point in her favor i would say that's like bonus points because for why she's a good character because she sort of realizes that hey, maybe I am naive, and maybe I'm dumb, and maybe I don't really have my own power, so I want to make my own power, which is kind of nice to see. But then in season two or book two, all of those hopes that I had for her character were dashed against the rocks. So, uh, again, she relies on her name uh, to give her power and believes that the dragons make her fierce in the beginning of season two. Uh, She sends out... uh, riders to go find them safety that fails so then when they go to the uh to uh karth she thinks that saying that i'm daenerys targaryen is going to get her anywhere uh which it doesn't which it shouldn't for anyone which i think is a big point of her character that she thinks her name is important and that it's special so that she should get special treatment and she clearly doesn't which it always makes me happy to see her get shut down because she can kind of be annoying and uh, then she says, she tells the 13 of Karth, oh, if you don't let us in, I'm gonna burn your city and I'm gonna kill you all. And they say, ha, that's really funny because your dragons are like a month old. 
have a good have good luck trying to kill us with your baby dragons and so she sort of realizes again like wow i'm actually kind of pathetic but i think i'm powerful um that seems like a classic daenerys trope <laughs> um and it's kind of sad but she she's very threatening very violent because people don't give her what she wants she acts like a child and yes it was life and death but she wasn't very diplomatic in uh in those scenes she tried to be courteous i suppose but as soon as things turned against her she immediately says i'm going to kill you all which is definitely the best way to get what you want in life i think so yeah i think i think the bigger examples like here especially in her arc are like the the stuff like uh, like the stuff that you're getting to and also like this stuff where it's like her how she like treats people obviously who just like she like i guess her character is sort of like it's it's like breaking the rules of like kind of like this universe we're in where like normally everything's very very political and she is just like nah no we're gonna do this my way and like some people (laughs) like that but also you get the other side of the coin where it's like well you're also killing a lot of people and doing it in a terribly cruel way even though it's like it's you taking what you want and you're kind of breaking the system yeah you're doing it in like this really cruel way yeah i think that's a lot of her character it's sort of like which side of the coin you fall on and i'm going to talk about that once we get to like slavers bay stuff yeah that's the because that's the big important stuff i think which defines her character really and that sort of philosophy of like it depends on which side of the coin you fall but i'm definitely not on her side um so yeah, she threatens violence against the Thirteen, who saw it against their interest to invite her into the city. Um, she expects the Thirteen of Court of Karth to ally with her for promises of wealth when she really has nothing to offer. She's a terrible politician. Uh, she goes to a bunch of the, the different merchants who are in the Thirteen and asks them to give her money and ships so that she can go back to Westeros and reclaim it. But they all see the flaws in her plans, and that angers her. That gets her upset. So she's just not not very good at politics, um, and that's pretty evident in that mo- in those moments and throughout the series. Because again, she expects people just to join with her because of her name, because of her dragons, uh, because God, she's like... because of what she can do. But in reality, she has nothing to actually offer them, and so she's putting a lot of it on like a whim. She's saying like, "Oh, I can do this," and obviously she has no proof to back that up so she's what donald trump represents to a lot of people in our world she's like (laughs) it's like i'm not part of the system i don't really play politics but i'll get you what you want here's how i'm going to do it also because of my name because i got lots of money and i have dragons and i have dragons donald trump Trump. does have three dragon eggs right now it's been confirmed (laughs) we are worried about that but um yeah so yeah daenerys is a terrible politician uh she but it's ironic because she complained that Viserys was a beggar with no real power when she is the same exact way as her brother. Uh, Viserys in the books is called the Beggar King because he go around, goes around and asks people to support his cause God, what an with, awful. Different, with different promises. Uh, and Daenerys seems to be the exact same way, uh, at least in season two. So, what an awful nickname. So Daenerys is a hypocrite. <laughs> and then... At the by the end of the second season, after the whole House of the Undying stuff, which begins to shape her more um, philosophical, like uh, mythical arc, we go back to the sort of political side of how she deals with justice, and this is the first note in her long journey of what justice means to her. She brutally kills by torturing Zarodan Zaxis, 
and her former handmaiden, who I can't remember her name, um, but she locks. Doesn't, yeah, she, doesn't matter. Right she now. locks them both in a bank. Oh, in the vault. Vault. Yeah, yeah, that was messed up. Alive, <laughs> leaving them to either eat each other, or just die in darkness alone, starving what did without he, water. Yeah, what did he even do again? He was. He just. just he just sided. Uh, he just killed the thirteen and like wanted to keep her in Karth so that they could use the dragons. But that like, was his plan. But, like, he did nothing, per se, to actually physically, like, attack her. He was working towards her interest, too, I suppose. Was he working with the warlock? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The warlock and him were together, so, like, Dar- Daenerys just didn't want to be, like, chained up, like, physically or, like, mentally, I suppose. That's like, fine. Yeah, he wanted to marry her, too, for a bit, but she was like, no, nah, I'm not having that. Yeah. Uh, which is understandable why she wouldn't want to marry him, but it was also kind of dumb from her perspective, too, if she's looking for power. Uh, why she didn't want to use his wealth and stuff like that, but, and she says, oh, you taught me a powerful lesson or whatever when she locks him in the vault, like, uh, power's just an illusion, and I think that line is absolutely perfect for her character, because power clearly is an illusion, she believes she has power, and a lot of people just shoot her down, because she doesn't, um, but she takes power in this situation, and I think she does it in the wrong way. Her justice is to lock him up in a vault to starve, or, um just die in darkness and through torture and i don't think that's the way that she should find justice um i don't think that makes her worthy of her name what, or what the title do you think she should have done with them like just kept well, just them as prisoners either keep them as prisoners or just cut his head off just kill him like because them, yeah because what yeah it is what does she is. gain from <laughs> doing that other than sadistic like torture yeah it is an unusually cruel punishment especially since no one's gonna find out it's not like you're doing it for rep she just like did it just to like okay yeah just i want you to suffer exactly it's not like other people are gonna find out and be like oh we're intimidated now so that's her second big sign of madness the first one is that she doesn't care that her brother was brutally c- killed in front of her eyes and the second one is that she uh commits acts of torture for the sole purpose of doing it uh and then we move on to the third season. And that warped sense of justice that she has will be a theme throughout her character for the rest of the story. Uh, so in episode uh, season three, we have her... God damn it. Hold on. There we go. In season three, she goes to Slaver's Bay, which is the uh, a big area in Essos that is all about the slave trade. Obviously, it's called Slaver's Bay. Uh, they rely on slaves for their power source. But when you look at Daenerys' character, it's kind of a strange place to go. She's looking for ships and for soldiers to retake Westeros, so that sort of makes sense. But then she sort of has a change of heart when she gets there. Uh, she starts to begin a random strategic conquest of Slaver's Bay. She takes the unsullied soldiers to into her army and then decides uh well i'm gonna free all the slaves of slavers bay because it's wrong and yeah, i can change that exactly she's a very idealistic person which obviously there's nothing wrong with that at all saying that slavery no, is wrong right. and Sla- i want to change it is wrong yeah it's just like it's how she thinks she can just like cut through the system just because of like who she is and stuff exactly that's very interesting that's very important to her character she just she says this in the show she i don't believe she says this in the books but she says uh i'm not going to turn the wheel i'm going to break it 
so she very much believes in working yeah. outside of the system to get what she wants. I, I don't know, like, personally, from my standpoint, I don't know if that's, like, a bad thing or a good thing. Um, yeah. You, obviously, I think you think it's a bad thing. Yeah. So we'll let you. So I just wanted my opinion to be out there. Oh, yeah, of course. Obviously, Joey can always input anything whenever he wants to, too. Yeah. Uh, do you do you kind of think it's similar to, to Aegon the Conqueror? Or, no, no, I don't think so. Uh, because... And this is what I was going to talk about in the end, but I'll bring it up briefly now. Uh, because I think George R. R. Martin's working f- towards the goal of Daenerys being compared to Aegon. But if he's doing that, he's either intentionally making her bad now so that she can become better by the end of the books, or he's just really bad at writing character. Like, or he's like unexpectedly writing her bad, whether he knows it or not. Because when you look at Aegon, he pardoned his enemies, the people who opposed him, because he saw that there's a difference between getting power and keeping it and just killing people. Uh, He pardoned uh, the Starks in the North and let them become the Wardens of the North. He pardoned the Aarons in the Vale and let them join him. He made his half-brother the King of the Stormlands after the Argilac, uh, Dindurin, refused to give up the Stormlands. He was a very just and pretty generous guy. We see that throughout the series, that he tries to deal with problems even-handedly. You can read A World of Ice and Fire. You'll see that a lot in his biography. Uh, He realizes that he has dragons and that he has power, but it doesn't define him. Yes, he had no reason to take Westeros other than that he could, but the difference was is that he didn't believe that his name or that the dragons made him any more special than anyone than any other conqueror before versus Daenerys who believes that her last name gives her every right to rule the world Aegon sees the fact that what his actions are gives him the right to rule the world he's not defined by uh his past his bloodline he's defined by what he'll do in the future which is very different from Daenerys, and that's why I think they're to- two totally different characters who just both happen to be powerful in their own rights. But, so, yes. Yeah. So, do you think that Daenerys would be a terrible queen of Westeros? No, yeah. I think she would be the worst, one of the worst queens in all of Westeros history. I think... Which I is think, why I believe she's not going to take the throne, but... I think at the level she's at now... I, or, I don't know, I can't even say now because I'm not up to date in the this, in this show. Alright, let's just say, like, um, I think if she has absolute power, if she's at the top and she's doing what she wants, as long as there's no weird thing that they throw in there where, oh, she's got dementia or some shit. <laughs> she's got dementia. <laughs> like, as long as none of that happens, or if, like, she starts having weird visions and she's like, oh, we gotta fucking kill, burn people like the Mad King or whatever. Yeah. I think then she would be a good ruler because she has the ideology, like the morals are really high and they're there, and like if she can enforce that and everyone's with her, then yeah, in a, in a perfect world, I'd say she's a good a good ruler. I don't I don't know. I think I kind of agree with Michael on that because she really doesn't have any experience like politically. Like yeah, she she sat around in Marine and listened to people come up and bitch about their problems and how <laughs> she is ruining their lives and she she did her best but yeah from from what we've seen i don't think she can really be a great ruler she definitely is powerful but i feel like her fallback is always her dragons exactly oh wow she 
I don't know. Like, no. I think she's yeah, a good character. Guys, I, I like, like her a lot more than Michael. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess... I wouldn't say she's a bad character. I think she's very interesting. Yeah. But I certainly. disagree with her world philosophy on how she thinks she's going to change the world. Because I have no problem with her freeing slaves and trying to make the world what she believes a better place. Yeah, yeah. But in doing so, she's... she causes a lot of problems. problems. So a think, lot. You think because, like the X... uh, because I think she's blinded very much by like her idealism and her power her perceived yeah. power that she has like with the whole slavers bay thing she goes and i said my defining question for season three is is Daenerys a good person for freeing the slaves why does she do it yeah why does she go to slavers bay it's and free a, all those slaves get an army yeah yeah originally it seems like she wants she wants the army she gets the unsullied but she continues with her mission to free all of the oh, slaves in slavers bay and the question is why is she doing that her original goal was to take Westeros to get back the Iron Throne for her family to uh, restore her name and such. And she had the army. She could have easily gotten ships. Uh, but she decides, no, I'm going to free all the slaves. Does that make her a good person? Uh, idealistically, yes. But when we look in the books, it's very much more apparent, less than in the show, that how she frees the slaves was a terrible idea. And how she did it was very unplanned unprepared and it caused a lot of damage we see that like the other slave cities fall into chaos once she leaves with her army which is like a classic trope of conquering yeah yeah they they, that happens all the time in history they they super gloss over that in the show when like there's like there's like one scene where they see all you see all the slaves coming out of the city like not the warrior ones just like regular slaves Mm -hmm. and they start like murdering like their like their like the small elite class that rules them yeah and then they come out and they're like, oh, they're like, thank you, Daenerys. And then, like, that's it. And yep. you don't really, like, some of them, like, join them, right? That's yeah. what happens. And in the books, it becomes a big problem for her because they she gets a horde of followers who she yeah. can't feed or clothe yeah, yeah. or, like, shelter. Which, I mean, she just doesn't think. And this is part of her political inexperience. She does what she thinks is right with no regard for how she's going to do it for how she's going to actually do what she wants she doesn't care because she thinks i have dragons i can do this i have dragons i'll be able to do that i've got dragons i'm daenerys targaryen i can do that so and that's the fatal flaw of her character it's not that she can't do it and not that what she does is wrong it's how she does it is terribly ineffective because we see these slave cities as soon as she leaves fall apart into chaos they're retaken by the slavers or like kings take over they are against her she has and this is a big problem with her too she has no understanding of the culture of slavers bay she doesn't know their history their language in the beginning uh she has a very under time a hard time understanding the power structures of society um and she doesn't even understand the slaves because a lot of them become homeless they don't have jobs they're under constant threat of being attacked by their former masters and uh she's just what is she actually trying to do in slaver's bay and i i honestly can't answer that question i don't think because she has conflicting goals throughout her character the only thing that i can point to is that it has to do with power that by doing this she believes she gains more moralistic power that she's doing the right thing and it makes her sort of like a world conqueror. She's just doing whatever she wants, regardless of what its impact or consequences will be. 
uh, yeah, she has no care for culture, for the laws, for the people themselves, but rather what it can do for her power. It makes her revered by the people, the slaves, and feared by the people, the masters. So she's creating a system in which she's building power for herself and propping herself up on the suffering of others, whether it's right or wrong. Okay. And uh, she leaves chaos, creates homelessness. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for you to throw a bone to the Daenerys fans out there. Yeah, you're not really giving them much here. I, I said that her fl- freeing the slaves was, like, uh, the right thing to do, but how she did it was... You, you could also say she's she's succeeding in doing... Like, she's oh, yeah. actually she's, ac- accomplishing... Yeah, she's strong enough where she's got an army behind her. She's yeah. got strong people around her, and she's whenever, got the dragons. Whenever I was... When I was watching the show, and I was imagining, like... Or I was thinking about her plot line, or, like, seeing it as it happening. Yeah. I was like, this is so weird compared to everything else going on in the show, because it's just her on a power... Tr- just going, like, yep. just collecting and collecting. No, she definitely is, like, a steamroller. She's, a, uh, She is very powerful, and I think, uh... She, she can succeed, and it's proven in what she wants to do. But, again... Her ineffectiveness, I think, outweighs her success. All right. we, we gotta, we gotta go to a new character. I know. Here. Sorry. All right. Just finishing up. I'll do. I'll skip over season four because it's pretty much the same exact thing as season three. Yeah. With how she deals with Marine, she's just as a really crappy ruler is pretty much what it comes down to, and pretty much everybody wants her to get the hell out of the city. Uh, and then season five is that she starts to turn. She starts to go for the better. Season five is probably my favorite Daenerys time because she starts to learn from her mistakes. She gets advisors around her who are good. Like, she starts listening to Barristan more in his sense of justice, which is not an eye for an eye, which she has been following her whole life. It's more of, you know, you want to be better than your enemies. Uh, she starts to learn more of the culture of the city. She feels like she's more in power. The sons of the harpies start to disappear from attacking her, and she marries, uh, or she plans to marry Hisdar, uh, Zoorak, who's one of the great families in Marine. She's starting to get an understanding in securing her power, and she starts to become more politically inclined, and she uh, becomes stronger in her desire for peaceful rule and for uh, to make things actually better, and she okay, becomes so more effective. There's totally a positive edge to her. Yeah, exactly. That. In season five, I think she takes a good change. But season six, and I can't talk about the sixth book because it isn't out yet, but in season six, I think, again, she takes a turn for the worst. From all that she learned in season five sort of backfires on her because she has to flee from the city uh on her dragon marine falls under the control of the slavers again pretty much uh Tyrion and the people around Daenerys her advisors are trying to keep control and she's goes with the the Dothraki as their prisoner and again this points to her psycho her warped interpretation of justice and power the Dothraki take her prisoner they plan on keeping her in the capital of the Dothraki area, Vaz Dothrak, because she is a widow, and that is her place among their culture and society, and she does not, she understands that, but seemingly doesn't care. She doesn't care about the tradition, the culture, everything like that, because she says, I'm Daenerys Targaryen, this is not where I should be, I should be back ruling my people and then conquering Westeros. So she gets a warped idea of what that is, and she kills all of the, the all of the calls who oppose her by lighting them on fire. Um, <laughs> she she doesn't give them really an opportunity for them to help her because she pretty much says, "Release me or I'll kill you." Uh, she doesn't care about 
the culture, and they are seemingly, like, pretty nice to her as far as, like, Dothraki go, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I thought they were being okay with her. Yeah, they were pretty terrible because some of them were like, oh, we should rape her. But then the head call was like, hey, we can't do that. She's a widow of a former call, and she deserves respect in our society or whatever. But she doesn't care about that. She just lights them all on fire and then says, hey, I'm your new queen now. I'm the Khaleesi, so join my armies, or I'll light you all on fire too. So, of course, they all join her because they don't want to die because she's nuts. And she now adds to her huge army. Um, and then she plans to go retake Marine to defeat the slavers who are attacking her. And she goes with her dragons. And she tells her advisors, hey, I'm going to burn down every single slave city because they opposed me. And her advisors are like, wow, that's a really terrible idea. Because that makes you just as bad as them. Because you're going to kill tons of people who don't deserve to die. Because uh, you've never... Like, you're going to be killing the normal people and the masters, too, if you just go and burn down all these cities. So then she's like, oh, okay, well, I won't do that. So she, against her better judgment, <laughs> says that she won't do that. And I think that's a good point for her because she can listen to reason, but she clearly doesn't have it herself. <laughs> so her final thing is she believes that only her rule can save not only Westeros, but the world. She believes her power is absolute, that her dragons in her name make her special, and that uh, conquerors take what they want, and everyone else pays the price. All right, so that, that's your thesis. Yeah. All right, there we go. I'm going to have to... So that's Daenerys. Joe, we're going to have to start being like these presidential moderators. I'm sorry, guys. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to talk about with Daenerys. She's probably one of the most important characters of the series. Yeah, so. that's true. All right, so now it's on uh, to Jamie yeah. Lannister with Dylan. Yeah, so I, this is definitely not as controversial. It's more of just a character study. Um, I I really like I'm I'm I like Jamie Lannister as a character, the Kingslayer. Um, I think he's great from what I've seen in the show. Like, I don't have a lot of problems, just in terms of like how he's written. Um, but then again, I'm one of those people who also likes like uh, like Lord Baelish. Like I like Peter Baelish as a character. I, I enjoy watching him. And I enjoy it. like even if his goals aren't always like. Oh no, I love Baelish. Uh, yeah, like I, I enjoy watching him. But anyway, that's uh, let's get into it here. Uh, so right right off the back, I'm gonna be sticking to the TV show for the most part here. Um, right off the back, you get this in episode one. You get that huge twist at the end that totally just sets the bar for like how you think you should feel about the Lannisters. And about Jamie and and uh, Cersei in particular. Yep. Um, and it's when he's obviously he's having he's having <laughs> like a sex, he's having an affair with his twin sister. It's like, hey, that's wow, that's bad. And this they did that on <laughs> they did that on purpose, like in the in the show, uh, to kind of set the bar of like what kind of world we're li- they're living in. Yep. Um, also, it's a nice twist. It's a cool thing to get people roped in. And uh, he pushes uh, Brennan off the t- Brennan, Brennan, yeah, Bran out. um he pushes him off the tower and he almost he intends to kill him but like he doesn't um and that's kind of like incest is like a huge that that like relationship with him and cersei is a huge part of his like kind of as of his character really it's a huge thing um but we don't really get too much more about him in season one you see him like kind of in between scenes almost He's just, like, the really swaggy, like, clean, charming, like, uh, Jamie Lannister. Sister fucker. 
Yeah, Sister Fargo. They put they sleep down on the side for a while. But, uh, there's a few scenes of them talking, but they don't. I don't think they go. They don't go back to the incest thing until way later on, right? Because of like what happens. Yeah. Um. And then we get we do get the thing where he stabs he stabs Ned in the back of the the leg. Yep. Um. And the reasoning there is like I don't have too much of a problem with that. Like it, like in the in the moment when you're still learning about when you're not really sure how this this universe works. Um. You're kind of just like, wow, fucking, I hate the Lannisters because of what they're doing to my favorites, the Starks. <laughs> and it's, like, fine. But as you go on, you learn he was just following orders. Like, it's because the, so Ned was being dumb, and he's just like, oh, I know you fucked your brother. And it's like, why would you do that? And Well, we that di- Jamie attacked him earlier on because Catelyn took Tyrion prisoner. Yeah, that too. Yeah. So he's the, he Jamie's just kind of following the rules that he's supposed to be. Like, yeah. in this, in the, the Familial game. rules, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of, he's still in like a negative light, I feel like for most of the audience members, I, I, you, I, you can see the swag, like you can see like his, his like, um, demeanor, I guess. Um, but we don't really get too much of a change in him until, um, later, like he gets captured at the end of season one, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's when we start to, they start to break it down. Um, that's the beginning of the War of the Five Kings, Rob, Rob Stark's army, uh, captures him. Um, and he's kept in like that tiny that tiny little cage and he's like t- he's like tied or handcuffed um, to the pole in the center and it's really muddy and gross um, and that's where we sort they start to like humanize him you just don't really like him you're just like ha he got captured like all right nice um, and then like they that's like from that point on I think um, you there's a scene where another prisoner is brought in. This is at the beginning of season two, I believe, where another prisoner is brought in, and he, like, knows him, or he's fought with someone who knew him. It's his cousin. It's his cousin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and they're talking about, like, the stories of, like, their past, like, war stories and stuff, and then he ki- he kills him, right? Yep. And just to get out. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, all right, this is, this is what it is. Like, he's, like, I don't really like him, but that was pretty badass. Um... <laughs> And he does, does he get, I think he gets recaptured again, right? Yeah. He gets recaptured again, and we don't see too much of him. He's we just see that he kind of looks terrible now. He's this <laughs> the swaggy demeanor is gone. He's he's still got like it's still kind of there, but it's really rough because he's in terrible shape. Um. And then we get uh to like the kind of the whole Brienne thing, which is I think that's just my favorite part of like kind of his arc right now. Um, that's where we really start to like sympathize uh, with him. Uh, so Brienne tries, she's trying to get him to King's Landing, right? Yep. She breaks him out, tries to get him to King's Landing. Well, Catelyn, for Catelyn breaks yeah. out, yeah, uh, Jamie because she thinks that the switch of the children, Sansa and Arya, yeah, that's what they need. Jamie will be good for them, but obviously Rob is not in favor of that, so. Yeah, so they, they travel, they're like, they're, their characters kind of parallel each other, um, in terms of their background, um. Uh, they, so they're, like, as they travel, they're also, they're two really good warriors, too, so they have a few, like, scenes where they, like, fight, like, he's always in chains, too, mm-hmm. um, and they do, like, they hint at, like, some role reversal stuff, because she's, a Brienne's obviously, like, huge, and he's, like, the smaller <laughs> one, it's kind of, it's funny, and they're, they're a good duo, because, um, they're good, like, foils to each other, because she's the, kind of the big, serious, like, this is what we need to do, and this is how I'm gonna do it, and he's, like, jokey and kind of like the charming like oh haha i'm kingslayer like <laughs> el Mayo. i'm like i'm kind of a meme but it's like cool yeah like, i'm a cool guy um ah, i'm a cool i'm a cool cool knight 
and then we they this is like the big like so you kind of you start to you're starting to like him more and more throughout this um and the the biggest thing um is when they get captured um and like brian's obviously trying to defend him and but they get captured anyway um and he, he tries he saves her from getting raped but and that's like a very nice moment and it, it, <laughs> it works because like he he does like some stupid thing where he basically talks his way out of it which is good like a perfect thing for his character um and it's nice because all the the talking and like the relationship building they had before that supports it um and then he gets his hand chopped off which is nuts absolutely <laughs> nuts and they make him wear it around his neck it's like <laughs> and if you if you don't if like you don't empathize with him at this point there's not much more that the writer can do to make you and like this is a master swordsman who just lost his best hand like he can't he can't fight or he's gonna have to relearn and he's still suffering and you see a total change in his character where he's a lot more quiet um brienne just feels terrible for him and um it's just like it's really really tough um so after all this when they're fi- like they're 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 in prison for a while and they get traveled around but i think what happens they get traded off um uh yeah Roose bolton wants to send him back to, yeah uh to king's landing to tywin because yeah it will look good for him so they 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 eventually get sent back after all of this like this terrible stuff they've been through together um and they get there's this one this absolutely wonderful like bath scene it's just it's so well done um and it's when they're getting cleaned up he his arm is finally cleaned up now he's still got a little nub obviously like his hand is gone um but uh, this bath scene is just a connection between like the King, like the Kingslayer Jamie and uh, Brienne, and it's great because um, we see like it's like kind of like the it's I'd say it's like the peak of their relationship in that season and kind of like the peak of both the characters at that point, where they're really comfortable with each other because of everything they've been through, um, and basically the the story that uh, well Kingslayer walks in, Jamie walks in, he's completely naked, he's super cocky, and he's just like, oh, so I'm just gonna get in the same bath with you, Brian. He's like that cool, and she's and uh, he doesn't care what she says <laughs> in any way. Um, and then you get this like heart wrenching story about what actually happened, why they call him the Kingslayer, um, how he feels about that. He doesn't like it. It's a he feels guilty about what he did. And it's just like, I, I had to do it. He's like, I had to do it. He's like, I know it breaks the rules. Everybody thinks I'm a bastard who, like, well, not actually, not, not, <laughs> not bastard. And not a John Snow yeah, bastard. not a John Snow bastard. But um, he, they think I'm, like, a terrible one. I'm dirty. I'm a dirty fighter. I don't play with the rules. Um, and it's this really, like, wrenching scene. Um, you get, like, the cinematography is good because it's just, like, just, they focus a lot on the faces and the eyes. Um, and the acting is great in this scene. He has his monologue. It's like an entire monologue. Like, Brienne doesn't speak too much. He's mostly listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has an entire monologue that's awesome. And it slowly, like, heightens intention. And it's, like, at this point that we've, we've, um, we've gotten enough. We feel, like, uh, close enough to him. And we've empathized enough with him. Partly because of how much he suffered. And then partly now this is, like, the icing on the cake where we learn about, like, why everyone hates him. And also why he has this this cocky exterior demeanor mm-hmm. and it's probably and it's like oh it's because he's covering up because he feels terrible about who he is and this is he's just going to go with it now and this is like kind of how he has to live um and then it finally ends with this great little like kind of like a role reversal thing where like he basically like faints in the tub at like the height of this like emotional scene and brianne like catches him 
Uh, that's like that's if I could like stop talking now. That's like where I'd like to. Like that's where I'd like this right end, and like everything's better now. But uh, he goes right back and see after the the heel, he goes back to in season four. Um, and there's this this terrible scene of it was controversial. You told me when the show came out where they yep. he basically forces Cersei to have sex with him again. Commonly uh, known as rape. Yeah, as rape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and. It's like over the corpse of uh, it's not of their son. Oh, it's over Joffrey's. Yeah. Oh God. Or wait, is it Joffrey or? I thought it was the king. I thought it was whoever just died or whatever. So it was. It was died. Joffrey. Yeah, it was Joffrey. Oh yeah. man, yeah. It's so. I remember it because just, of how disgusting it was. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's just like this big reminder that like, he's he's still he's got these these flaws in his character that like are just not they're probably not going to go away and it, it's we've seen we we still like him. Because of everything we just been through, we like it more. But it's really like it's conflicting now. So I thought that that was my piece. I we, I talked. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Good amount of time. Um, I agree with you totally. I think they do a really awesome job with how they write Jamie's character. Everything he does seems to have some sort of logic to it, even if it's warped reasoning yeah. and logic. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a very good character. I like him a lot. And I, I just enjoyed, I enjoy watching. Yeah, exactly. I like watching his arc, and I like seeing where that goes. And that whole controversial scene is understandably controversial. Um, it's a very interesting scene. Uh, it's disturbing. But from Jamie's perspective, it can kind of be seen as understandable, uh, what he wants. He's been away from home. His son that he never even got to call his son is now dead. And he hasn't seen his lover slash sister in months. And he's been prisoner, tortured. Uh, for a while, yeah, yeah. And things have not been going his way. So he just wants a little bit of happiness to go away from the shadow of sadness yeah. that has fallen over his life. But unfortunately, it doesn't line up with yeah, what life, Cersei wants because her son is now dead. Yeah, life just got, like, hit him really hard. It just, even after all yeah. that, it just started him hard. He's got to retrain with his left hand pretty much now, right? Yep. I think. So it's just like it's tougher for him. Life's tougher. So it's definitely understandable. A lot of what he does doesn't justify it. Um, but he's a very uh, awesome, awesomely written character, I think, and it's fun to watch him. All right. So, sorry, so now we're on to, to, like, to Joe. Yeah. Well, Joe Who's can talk that? as long as he wants to. He's we have no over. time limit. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. We don't care. But so Joe. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to say that Jamie is a. Jamie's arc is probably like my favorite in the whole series. Honestly, he's he's like a great example of. Uh, how George R. R. Martin writes his characters. Like, they're very gray. They're not either completely good or completely evil. Like, there are some characters that are definitely considered evil. Like, you know, like the Ramsey Boltons of the world. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but he's, he's just, like, one of those characters. Like, he's a very human character. Like, he has a ton of flaws, but um, he makes up for them. I think the point where in the story where he really started to shift for me was uh when he got his hand uh, chopped off it really humbled him and it made him sort of rethink how confident he is with himself mm-hmm. so yeah i thought I, that was really cool but but uh yeah what were you gonna say dylan oh no i completely agree that's all i was gonna say i was just gonna say how much i hate ramsey too <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree on that yeah, yeah. Even me and my warped reasoning of character he's logic, just, I hate Ramsey just, too. It's just sadism. It's just like he's such a well-written character, though. But all right, we're not going to go on a Ramsey tangent now. Mm-hmm. We can do another character, uh, another episode on him if we want to. But Joey, I think you were going to talk about Brienne. So 
Yeah, so, yeah, kind of building off of the, the Jamie discussion, she has a big relationship with him uh, in the series, but to start off with her character, she begins uh, with uh, Renly in his uh, pursuit for the Iron Throne. Uh, she wins a battle and requests to join the Rainbow Guard, which is uh, Renly's version of... Yeah. Of the King's Guard. Fun fact so, in the TV show, it's not called the Rainbow Guard. Yeah, it's just called say. the King's Guard, but in the books, it is called the Rainbow Guard. <laughs> Rainbow Guard. And it's not because yeah. he's gay, but George R. R. Martin had to like clarify that. He's like, Renly is gay. It's just coincidence that it's called the Rainbow Guard. It's just coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Because in the books, uh, the seven are all represented by a different color uh, of the rainbow. Sure. So, wh- whatever. We all get it. Renly's gay. Whatever. <laughs> Move on, Joe. Coincidence. <laughs> so. So, yep, she uh, joins up with the guard. Uh, very, very shortly after, uh, Renly is killed. Um, she is... I can't remember. Is she... Uh, I know in the show she is kind of, like, framed. Like, Renly's uh, supporters think that she may have killed him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely in the show, that's what they, they set it up as. So, yeah, uh, she joins up with uh, Catelyn Stark, who just happened to be... Um, in the in the area trying to recruit <laughs> Renly and his army but uh so she swears herself to uh Catelyn Stark and that is basically the drive for the entire rest of her story in the series so far she has been completely loyal to Catelyn Stark and what uh protecting her daughters ever since then um and that is really like the base of her character she she um meets up with jamie because of catelyn stark um they they uh journey to king's landing to trade jamie for uh sansa and Arya stark and uh well we know how that goes uh it doesn't go too well <laughs> along the way brienne and jamie run into a ton of obstacles but brienne stays very loyal to uh to her mission she's very committed And I love that about her character. I love how honorable, committed, and just, like, I don't know. She's just one of those characters. Like, we have very few of them in uh, this series where she is all about being loyal, sticking to her word, doing what's right. Yeah. And she hasn't done anything to uh, go against that so far in the series. Yes. Yeah, it's like it's like loyalty and honor to a fault, which is like why I really like how she was paired with uh, Jamie, especially for that long journey. Yeah. He's like his like reputation is that he's dishonorable and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think it's kind of interesting. I'm I'm fascinated by how George R. R. Martin did this because you can sort of see like Ned Stark sort of follows the same thing of honorable to a fault and stuff like yeah. that. But is as it's revealed throughout the books, uh, he still plays the game, and regardless of what he likes to pretend, he's still very much involved in the whole Game of Thrones type thing. Ned, versus Ned Stark, yeah, yeah. Versus Brienne, who sort of has the advantage She's... of being a supporter. She doesn't yeah. have to be involved directly in that, and she can keep her honor and her loyalty, and she very much does. And she, um, with the whole Renly thing, when people congratulate her for killing Renly even though as the viewer or reader we know she didn't, but everybody in the world thinks she does, she argues with them and says, no, I didn't do it. Like, yeah, why yeah. are you congratulating me for betraying yeah. a king? I didn't actually do this. Uh, yeah. So she is very much loyal. 
And I think it's a really awesome point of her character, like you were saying, Joe. Um, she, like, maintains this loyalty and this honor regardless of what happens to her. Um, and it's kind of awesome in the world where nobody seems to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I honestly think uh, she's so committed to this lifestyle of, of loyalty and, and honor and just being a great warrior because she grew up and was sort of made fun of people sarcastically would call her Brienne the beauty because <laughs> according to everyone around her she's not very attractive and she she understood that from a young age I think so she she made a really big effort to become this great warrior to be respected to uh not get pushed around by men she wanted to prove that she could uh she could be just as powerful as any man. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's great. You see that in her uh, in the first scene she's in, when she duels that night. Yeah, she fights Loras yeah. in the first scene. Yeah, that she's in. She owns him. Yeah, she destroys him, and then uh, Marjorie like thinks it's really funny. Yeah, she's like, "Ah, you Loras, you got beat by." It's like, "Hi, you're Renly does too." Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she's she's one of the biggest uh, characters who defies like gender stereotypes. And, yeah in the world so i really appreciate that about her yeah yeah i think her family is kind of important in that aspect of how she defied gender because uh she's an only child and she's the son of a i mean she's the son she's the daughter (laughs) of a lord uh so she sort of had to become both the son and the daughter and when she failed to being the daughter it was clear that she was more interested and comfortable with being the son role do her and Arya ever meet i feel like they get along uh yeah they don't get oh a, good point they don't good get point. along though oh uh they are very similar in that, in that yeah way, it's kind of funny joe i don't know if you were going to talk about that the whole hound versus uh brienne oh thing, that sounds awesome it, you what have to watch it in? season four all right i'll, I'll get there, I'll get there. <laughs> yeah it's it's great that was awesome to see because that that did not happen in the books so when yeah. that happened i was i was very excited but yeah aria aria did not know to trust Brienne. I mean, I don't blame her. She, she had either. never met her before, but yeah. yeah, so she battles the Hound and that'll happen. She loses Arya. Um but eventually her her travels with uh Podrick Payne pay off. They they kind of stalk the north looking for Sansa. Um so they kind of hide out outside of Winterfell eventually. Um Sansa and Theon, you know, they escape, and she does end up um, protecting Sansa, and she's she's sticking to her word. And long after the death of Catelyn Stark, she yep. she will not not waver from from the yeah. the vow she took. I, yeah, I remember Ryan in the in the show right now. Though he she has a conversation with Jamie where he's like, "Why are you why are you still sticking to this whole Catelyn thing? She's you know she's super dead, right?" She's like, yeah, I know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep to my word. Exactly. Really nice. So, yeah, she's beyond like uh, a very interesting character in that aspect. Yeah, that she uh, she really believes in the oath. Yeah. And there's uh, her sword is called Oathkeeper. It's a little crazy, and... but it's like it's I like I'm still gonna respect that. No, yeah. It's so chivalrous. And uh, I mean, it's even successful. Yeah, as far as at the point where we're we are in the show, she found Arya, but she got away and then she found sansa protected her and is now one of her like loyal soldiers uh so 
I mean, Brienne definitely <laughs> delivered on what she was supposed to do. Unfortunately, it happened a little too late for Catelyn. Yeah. But um, Brienne is just, yeah, the epitome of what chivalry and knighthood is supposed to be. And, and I think George R. R. Martin's little ironic twist that he likes to put on all of his characters is that she's a woman when the perfect knight is supposed to be like a man in like yeah, Arthurian times. It just, it just makes for a more interesting character yeah. and it builds her builds her background way better. It just fits. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Just just trying to look chivalrous. <laughs> yeah. So, yep, that's the Brienne talk and obviously, Joe, you can add anything else you want to say about her? No, she's, she's not really a complex character. Uh, she's definitely less complex than than a lot of other characters we have like jamie for instance so that's basically all i really have to say about her yeah. she just she sticks to what she believes in and never really wavers yeah it's okay. good we had good progression here we had kind of daenerys who's definitely involved <laughs> in the game if we hadn't have done daenerys, if you hadn't have done daenerys i think i would have chosen someone who's really involved in the politics of it mm-hmm. um and then we had jamie who's kind of involved but he's also kind of not his is more like personality driven yeah. um and then we had uh brienne which is really like good. Yeah, she's, she's above she's it. Kind of yeah, a, she's above yeah, it. Yeah, she's kind of on a more personal mission. Yep. Yeah. So all of our theses are our final character things. So my final word on Daenerys is conquerors take what they want and everyone has to pay the price. Uh, I guess mine on Jamie would be that um, it's sort of like he represents basically like the Game of Thrones like archetype, which is that this is a gray world um stuff happens and characters have to deal with it and that's just that's just how it is it's like <laughs> you can like them for a little bit or you can hate them for a little bit but they're gonna be there usually yep and then joe Brienne's. yeah it's it's basically just loyalty honor commitment you know all right yep yep so those are our three characters that we went over today Sorry if I was a little hard on Daenerys, but there's a lot to talk about with her. A lot to be hard on, but also good. Oh my she, god, yeah. She she does have a lot of good things that she does. I want to go look and see how long. It was like 25 minutes. Yeah, I probably. Like, <laughs> I, I went on for a while, guys. Yeah. Sorry. You can skip through well, I mean, parts you, of it if you, you want to. But. You were, I, I think when we set this up, I'll put the... I'm going to, in the description, I'll put the um, when each of our arguments starts, when the yep. news thing is, mm-hmm. and I'll do... I'll obviously do... I'll date... And we're going to start dating these. Yep. Just so we know, uh, you know. What's so going yeah, on. today's the twenty third Sunday of October. Yeah. So uh, next week, Halloween, guys, very excited. Yeah. Uh, be uh, safe out there, though. You know, when you're wearing your costumes and stuff like that, don't dress watch, up as a clown. Watch, yeah, watch out for clowns. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all we got to say. Uh, don't know when the next episode will be out. Probably we're hoping to obviously record next week or whatever. Yeah, we try this, to work on a weekly schedule. But this will go up definitely. That's another reason we have we've been iffy on dating these because they don't we don't know when they go up. But now we've got kind of a good setup. We've got a good like I don't know. We've got a schedule. So yep. this will go up this week sometime, and then the next one will go up probably uh, probably later next week. I'd imagine. Yeah. We gotta we, we gotta plan some stuff out. So we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We hope you liked about uh how we talked about our characters everything like that and um as always send us feedback if you want to yeah any way that you can if you want us to cut our entire like news segment that's fine that was just a personal yeah just uh tell us how you feel about the new segment tell us how you felt about all of our different character analysis that we do stuff like that we have our facebook page at the cast that was promised so please check that out like Uh, so that you can get updates and you can always ask questions, stuff like that, and we'll answer right away. And, uh, yeah, we'll put this up as soon as possible. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Catch you around. This is Michael, Hand of the King.
uh, and then you two can do your little sign off, and then uh, we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah, I just want I just want to add too. Uh, we have Twitter. Um, oh yeah. At don't forget the Twitter. at the cast TWP, and we also would love 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 if you leave iTunes reviews. Yes. That really helps. Yeah, that so. helps a lot too. Yeah. Um, right. I'm Joe the Andal. That's all I got. Uh, I'm Dylan. I don't. I did. Where did we even write that one down? Your pumpkin scar. Oh, Dylan. Dylan, Dylan pump- pumpkin scar. <laughs> yeah. Halloween theme. <laughs> uh and hopefully next week we'll have a good nickname for me thanks for watching everybody yeah all right see you guys around bye bye